Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. As we continue our series titled The Best Year Ever, many of us may be questioning how this can be the best year ever when we're facing a crisis of a global pandemic. The truth is that the Christ in us and the presence of the Holy Spirit empowers us to stand during this crisis. And if we stand, there will be a great manifestation of God's glory that will be seen throughout the world. Today, we continue our series titled The Best Year Ever with message number nine, The Great Manifestation. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. Your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, point at him. Use your pointiest finger you got. Neighbor, this is the best year ever. (laughs) This is the best year ever. Now, the Bible tells us this. This is Jesus' words. Jesus himself said, when you see wars and rumors of wars, when you see famine and pestilence, do not be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. See, that's Jesus saying, don't be afraid because you should expect for certain things to occur. You should expect the world to struggle because thus the world struggles, the church will never shine. (laughs) I'll say that one more time. Unless the world struggles, the church will never shine. Because man glories in himself. We get excited about things we do. And many times when we get into successful places, we forget about God. Because we say, look what I have done with my hands. And in fact, it is so real that the only thing we know has been kicked out of heaven was kicked out because of that statement. Look at the works of my hands. I will exalt myself above the most high. That's what Satan, who was at the time an angel said of himself he became so prideful in what god gave him and to give you a little background here so you understand in the original creation we are kind of shown by illustration in scripture that there were three archangels that we are aware of the first was michael we know as the worshiper excuse me excuse me michael as the messenger the warrior rather, one who fights for God. And we have Gabriel who is the messenger or the wisdom that goes out and shares wisdom. Gabriel was the one who showed up and announced Jesus was coming to his mother. And then you had Lucifer, the worshiper, the one who led worship in heaven. So you had these three archangels who are in heaven. And then at a certain point, Jesus told his disciples, they said, even demons trembled when we went out and laid hands according to the directions of Jesus. And Jesus said, don't get happy because demons fleed you. Because I saw Satan fall like a star from heaven. He said, don't get all excited. He's been cast to the earth when he was in heaven. So don't be afraid of him because you're here and man has been given dominion 
in the earth. And even in the, the, the discussion of Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve are in the garden and something they should have had dominion over spoke to them and had to trick them into giving up their dominion. So here we are, the children of Christ, the children of God through Christ, I'll say it that way, and we have now been given back the power to take dominion. But we don't understand what dominion is because it's not what we've ever had. Our parents never had it. Our churches before us didn't fully grasp it. So we are in the place where we're studying the word to see what God has spoken so that you understand that these things in the world that are referred to as demonic are things that you should have dominion over. But we've gotten used to the Hollywood version of the demonic in which we are always afraid of something. We are scared of demons and we're scared of this and scared of that. When the fact of the matter is, I'm not scared of demons. I'm not concerned with demonic activity. Because I have two things. I have the Holy Spirit and I've got wisdom. I was driving down the street in Chicago my first time going to Chicago, my cousins told me, wait for us, but I, I didn't listen. I said, I'm going to see Chicago. So I got a car, and I'm going to see Chicago, and I'm riding around everything I can think of to see. I'm going to the Sears Tower, which is no longer called the Sears Tower. It's got another new name now, whatever, because I love skyscrapers. I had to go to the top of that, and I went down. Then I got to go see every, I got to see the United Center. I got to go see that. I got to see Wrigley Field, and then I got to go to Comiskey Field. But when I'm driving down around Kaminsky Field, I'm driving down the street, and something in me said, turn around. <laughs> but I didn't. I kept driving because I want to see everything. And I got down, and I got to a point, and there's like a riot happening in the street right in front of me. Bunch of people fighting in the street. And so I made my U-turn. I said, I should have listened to the Holy Spirit two blocks ago when he told me, turn around. But he had grace enough that he told me two blocks ahead because he knew it was going to take me another block and a half to figure it out. So what was that? That was God giving me wisdom to deal with something that I can't manage. But there are other things that he gives me power to deal with that I am able to manage. And this season is one of those things. This season is one of those things where every believer needs to call on the Spirit of God and attach themselves to the Spirit of God that you might be able to manage and handle the things that are happening around you by taking dominion. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Are you there? Let's go to verse 8. Now, we talked about Ephesians chapter 1, that the very end of Ephesians chapter 1 said that you are the body of Christ, and Jesus is with the body, filling everything everywhere, right? Matter of fact, let's bring on the screen, before you guys read that, let's bring up Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. I want you guys to see that with your own eyes. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the, what? The benefit of who? Who's the church? All right, thank you. Next verse. And the church is his body. Look at your hands. Look at your feet. The church is his body. The church are his hands, his feet, his heart. 
who fills all things everywhere, look, with himself. He fills all things everywhere with himself. So that means you are going to have access to all things everywhere. Amen. I hope you believe what I'm telling you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's look at that real quick and then we'll get to chapter 3. I'm, I'm gently walking you through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his what? Say it one more time. Remember another version said, you are his masterpiece. Right. We are his workmanship or masterpiece created where? In Christ. For good works. You were made for good works. You're not saved by good works, but you were made to do good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what that means? That before the foundation of the world, God knew good works you were going to have to do. God already knew good works you would be assigned and be capable of doing. Woo! Amen. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, Paul told them in chapter 1 about the character of God and how they connect to the character of God. Chapter 2, he talked to them about them being masterpieces and telling them that they were created for good works. And chapter 3, look at this. Paul now talks about his personal mission. I want you to say the great manifestation. All right, let's go. To me who am less than the least of all the saints. This is the Apostle Paul, who was a trained Pharisee, who said, I have the highest level of education that a Pharisee can have. He said, I've got all that, but I've counted that all nothing for the excellence that is in Christ. And then he looks at himself, he said, now when I look at myself, I consider myself to be the least of all the saints. Now remember, the saints are not the apostles. The saints is the church. Amen. Paul said, I'm the least in the church. He's not even talking. He doesn't say I'm the least of the, all the apostles. He said, I'm the least of the saints. And the saints are the body of Christ. Paul said, I'm the hangnail of the body of Christ. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not counting myself as greater than anything in the body. I'm the least. I'm less than the least. In other words, when you find the least one, I'm below them. The Apostle Paul. This guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. He said, I'm the least. I'm less than the least. Wow. But then he's got the nerve as less than least to say this. Me who am less than the least of these. This grace was given. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. 
He said, I'm less than the least. I'm at the bottom, but I got a favor from God. That's why when we go to people and we don't have something and we need something, we say, can you do me a what? (laughs) I don't have it. I need it. Can you do me a? Say it louder. Do me a? To receive favor means you acknowledge you don't have it. Because I don't ask for favors if I got stuff myself. (laughs) To me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace, unmerited favor was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is amazing. A person who's the least below the least says, I got the favor of God on my life. He gave me a favor in order for me to preach among the Gentiles, people who don't know God, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So your question may be, what are the unsearchable riches? The unsearchable riches of Christ, we're going to see them defined in this next verse. Verse 9. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now these words are easy to get lost in if we hadn't already defined some things for you. But if you think about things we've talked about recently, some of these words should start making sense here in terms of what is the mystery. Because he's talking about unsearchable riches of Christ, and he also wants to make known and make people see, to actually see or comprehend this fellowship of the mystery. The word fellowship means partnership, right? Usually partnership in terms of service. Kononia is the word that is here. And that word means to, be communi- to have communication, to have connection, to have partnership. So this fellowship of the mystery. In other words, there is a partnership or a fellowship. There is a connection somewhere that is included in this mystery. And this mystery and partnership together mean that at some point, if you're part of a mystery, it means God is going to reveal it to you. Because he wants all people to see it. In other words, God doesn't want to have a universe full of mysteries that can't be figured out. God actually wants to reveal all mysteries. And he wants us not to have it just revealed, but he actually wants us to be partners in what seems like a mystery to everybody who doesn't know God. So, over the last couple of days, we had to call some of our leaders, right? To say, okay, what are we going to do about certain things? We got instructions from the county. We're all praying. What is our direction that we're going to take? Everybody wasn't on the call. The call was to a certain group of people. So certain people got included in the partnership of what we're going to do that will become evident to everybody else. So, so we did that, right? Have you ever gone to work and your boss says, I'm going to a meeting? And they leave and they go to a meeting. You say, what's the meeting about? 
I can't tell you what the meeting is about yet. And they go meet. And they come up with a plan. And then they come out and they tell everybody else what the plan is. Right? Why, why does that happen? It happens because a leader recognizes they can't do things by themselves. And so they call in those who are closest to meet to talk about what will occur. Sometimes the meeting is to inform. Sometimes the meeting is to brainstorm. But either way, when they leave the room, everybody knows what they're supposed to do, which impacts people who are outside of the room. So when God says, when Paul says here, my job is to make people see this fellowship, this partnership. He said, I'm bringing the saints in to understand and discuss and have a comprehension and an understanding of what we need to do in order to impact that which is outside of us. <laughs> okay. Because you are part of the mystery. The church is part of that which God has connected to himself to have conversation with. <laughs> okay. He's connected you to have conversation with him to know. Remember last week, Amos chapter 3, God does nothing unless he reveals it to his prophets. Old Testament prophets are people who could hear from God when others could not. But you know how the you now have the spirit of God in which all the spiritual gifts that were only restricted to prophets are now in you as the spirit wills. So you have been made that prophetic voice so that when God does something, God calls his people together and speaks to us. So that we know what to do when we go out of the room. So that we know how to go out of the room and to bless others with, our, with the knowledge of God, with God's plans, with God's understanding, with what God is trying to do in the earth. He's trying to explain it to us. So Paul said, it's my job to make people to see that they're part of this partnership. They're part of the fellowship. And they're part of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Next verse, what purpose? To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. In other words, he's expecting the church to know him so well that when we walk out, that we reveal the manifold wisdom of God to everybody outside the church. That they see the wisdom of God in our lives. They see the wisdom of God in us because we've been in a place where we've been able to talk to him and hear from him in partnership with him. And when we go out the door, we manifest the kingdom. The kingdom of God gets manifested in our lives. And because why? He's got an intent, a purpose. If you don't understand anything else about the purpose on your life, if you don't understand one more thing, it is that your life resemble Christ so much that you become a sign and a witness to the rest of the world. 
that your life gets changed, your life becomes such a, a powerful thing, and you say, but it's just me. That's why Paul said he had to make it clear. Listen, if you're going to comp out and say it's not you, he said, I'm the least. <laughs> Come on. Remember two verses ago? I am less than the least. So when you say, I can't do that, he said, yes, you can, because I'm less than you. <laughs> Before you get ready to say, well, you know, maybe, no, if you're part of the fellowship, it's a mystery. Guess what? It's a mystery, so you don't even see it in yourself. But God said, no, I want to reveal the fact that you are created for good works, and you're created to manifest the kingdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God. The word manifold, many faceted. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known. In other words, the principalities and powers don't know it. They don't know what you were created to be. As a matter of fact, in the book of Psalms chapter 8, the angel said to God, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is this thing you made? Why is he so special to you? <laughs> Guess what? He was talking about you because you're special to God. Amen. Come on. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Sometimes the world can't see you, church, because they are satisfied with what they have. But it is in crisis or it is in times of challenge when they see the church and the church needs to look like the manifold wisdom of God when they see it. So yes, there are things right now that people's hearts are afraid of. People are afraid of the economy, what's going to happen. They are, they're watching their stocks go down. They are afraid. I'm not going to have a month. I, I can't retire without a less than a million dollars. Guess what? If you retire without a million, less than a million dollars, go to work. Amen. <laughs> but I was going to do all this. Stop waiting to live. Live right now. Live the life you got right now. And living doesn't mean that you have to drop everything else around you. Live with purpose right now that you have no regret later on. Because it's not traveling the world that makes you satisfied. Because I traveled around and it don't satisfy. All I travel is just get rest. <laughs> See stuff and go, wow, look at that. And then go home and remember what I saw. It looked just like the picture I saw. Why I went there to see it. Guess what? The sun shines here just like it shines in the Bahamas. Guess what? There's sand on the beach in the Bahamas just like there's sand on the beach everywhere else. There's a beach. <laughs> so traveling the world is not going to satisfy you. Oh, I went somewhere and learned multiple languages. I rode on the subway in New York and learned multiple languages. <laughs> it's not how you travel that changes your life. What changes your life is purpose. And when you understand your purpose, then you lead a satisfied life. And then when you do other things, you say, praise the Lord. I did this. Praise the Lord. I did that. But those things will not satisfy your life. I know people with so much money, they don't know what to do with the money. And guess what? What satisfies them is purpose. 
I got a friend here in Vallejo. He's got, he's, he, this guy's got all kinds of money. But you know what his life is all about? His life is all about transforming the world. His business he does to make money, but his purpose is changing the world. And that's what he's all about. And so he's now started to shape his business. So his business is helping him change the world. <laughs> Yay! Come on. To the intent that the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church. The church is the one who's supposed to make God's manifold wisdom known. And you're the church. <laughs> and who's it making it known to? The people that work with you? Nope. To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. In other words, you're not trying to display God to the person sitting next to you. You're actually displaying God to the things we refer to as demonic. Not the people they're in, because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. But it's principalities and powers. See, see if, you, if, you, if you try to argue with people and persuade them, you can't win a battle like that. Because the person who really doesn't know God and doesn't adhere to, your, to some of our, quote, principles of right and wrong I mean, when I was an atheist people used to argue with me all the time and they could never beat me they could never win an argument with me because they're stuck with the bible and truth and that's all they can talk about I can lie and change my mind later you, you, think, I'm, you think I'm joking? argue with an atheist if they find a better story they'll change the story they don't care <laughs> Because they've made up their mind about something and human beings are so intelligent, we can justify anything. Give us enough rope, we can, we can justify anything. So you can't win an argument, you can't win an intellectual argument with people. But you can address principalities and powers that are influencing people. The night I gave my knife to Jesus... There was no intellectual conversation whatsoever. The house I was at, the people kept going in the back room praying. And they would come out of the room. I was getting paranoid because they kept going back and forth in the room. What are they doing back there? What's going on back there? I wanted to get up and go in the room. But I said, no, I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to. But they kept coming out. And they would, then they would test the waters and see where I was. And they would go back and pray. I didn't know that's what they were doing in there. I just knew they kept going in there. And after a couple of hours when I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, one of them comes out and says, listen, I know you have to leave, but before you leave, I just want to say something to you. And nothing intellectual. I don't even remember what they said. But once they said it, it was like God talking to me. It was like God saying to me, I'm real. Here I am. What are you going to do? And I was like, what, what happened? And all of a sudden that night, I, I was so overwhelmed by the Spirit of God that I said yes to God that night. And my life has not been the same. So I want you to understand, it's not the words we say. It's the Spirit that's brought. It's the manifestation of the Spirit. 
And that's why it's so hard sometimes for us to witness to people because we're trying to come up with intellectual ways to, to appeal to people's arguments. And that's not how you win people. You got to deal with the principalities and powers that are bringing influence. And when you deal with them, then what happens is the clouds over people's lives open up and people can see God sometimes for the first time in their life. Amen. Because the church has been empowered to show the wisdom of God to the principalities and powers of darkness. Woo! Come on. Verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus the Lord. In other words, his eternal purpose is what? It's the redemption of mankind. To restore man to the place he desired for man to be. <laughs> Verse 12. In whom? In Christ. You have boldness and access. Boldness is an attitude. Access is positioning. Amen. If I say I'm thirsty right now and I want that bottle of water, it appears I have access, but I actually don't because I'm not in position. It's further away than my arm can reach, so I'm out of position, so it looks like I have access, but I actually don't. And sometimes things appear like we have access, but we don't have access because we're not in the right position. <laughs> uh, listen, boldness is the ability to recognize that that's my bottle and that if I want it and I have access, I can have it. So it says, in Christ, we have boldness, or the understanding we, we have the right, and then access means that we get positioned that we can take it. Amen. Amen. And we benefit from what we take. Amen. Turn the Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Woo! That's the setup. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is the story of man's creation. And God said, excuse me, then. In other words, then is after something happens. Then God said, let us make man in what? Our image. According to our likeness. Let us make man in our image. The Hebrew word that is interpreted image in this case is the word that also means shadow. Our image, our shadow. A shadow is something that when light is cast on it, it creates an image. And that image then looks like because it's a reflection of. And because it's a reflection of, it looks like. It's not the same substance, but it looks like it. So let us make man in our shadow, our image. Then, according to our likeness. In other words, let's make something like ourselves. Let them have dominion. Notice the word is not let him, but let them. Amen. 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 All you ladies should be saying, that's right. Amen. Come on. 
Not let him, but let them have dominion. Oh, oh y'all, y'all, y'all knew it so well, y'all didn't even have to acknowledge the fact that I said it. Okay, I got you. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to step behind what you're telling me. <laughs> let them have dominion. Dominion. We talked about dominion means to have responsibility for. To take responsibility Sometimes we think of dominion as in a king has dominion. And we think about kingship in terms of, of how we view kings. In other words, they're in charge. They, you know, they, they've got all this wealth and everything else. They're also responsible. Because you can't have blessing without responsibility. God never blesses without also giving responsibility. And so when we're not willing to take responsibility, we're also not willing to receive the blessing. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Amen. He created them both. Verse 28. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> something going on around here. So, <laughs> we're going to deal with this passage a lot over the next few months. So, I want you to listen to this and meditate on this because this passage is going to keep living. Then God blessed them. To bless means to speak well of, to proclaim over. He blessed them and said to them. This is actually the first commandment of the Bible. It's not a commandment in the sense of a law, but it is a command in the sense of direction and purpose. So he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and and subdue it now as a person who's done a lot of weddings over time many times we use this passage and say god said be fruitful and multiply right and so we think about that <clears throat> excuse me we think about that in terms of having kids right be fruitful have a bunch of kids multiply fill the earth with your family <laughs> well that worked when people were working farms and you needed to have 12 kids to keep your crops. However, <laughs> it doesn't work quite as well right now, right? But this doesn't in any way necessarily restrict to the reproduction of humanity. It just says be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it so the word fruitful it's it means to produce good results so if you're fruitful you are producing good results right tell your neighbor say you look fruitful to me There's a lingering laugh around with that, with that one. 
producing good results to generate a beneficial or profitable output. A beneficial or profitable output is what to be fruitful means. Number two, multiply. Multiply means to make many or manifold. <laughs> to make many or manifold. And remember what the church is supposed to do. It's supposed to reveal the what? Manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers. So to multiply means to make many or to produce manifold and to fill the earth. What is to fill? To make full, to put as much as can be held into something. So you know what God's command to Adam was? He said, you need to be productive and you need to make a lot of what you make. And then when you make a lot of it, when are you supposed to stop? When it's full. <laughs> One more time, I'm going to help you with that. Be productive. Create. Create many. When do I stop? When it's full. Saturate. Cover over. Then, after you've done that, then you subdue it. Problem in church is this. I used to get mad. I said, why is the church all over the place? Why are the church all over the place? Because we're trying to fill the earth. <laughs> we're trying to fill the earth. So instead of criticizing because there's a whole bunch of churches, pray that those churches multiply. <laughs> I'm praying, oh, church, ooh, little church there. House of the living room. I pray that you multiply. <laughs> okay, all right. I got that from her. All right, so... It, that's not original material. <laughs> it's not original material. <laughs> Bless it. Multiply. Multiply. I'm praying that they multiply. I'm praying that they multiply. Why? Because we're part of the body of Christ, and Christ is trying to fill everything everywhere. So we're trying to multiply and reveal the manifold wisdom of God. So we need more churches to be born. We need more people stepping out. We need more life groups everywhere. We need to fill everything everywhere. And as we're filling everything everywhere, God is then giving us stewardship, which includes ownership. God blessed them. He blessed them. He said, I'm speaking over you and empowering you to be fruitful. Multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue it. The word subdue, this is what it means. To bring under subjection. But it does not describe the force in which it happens, but the action of the submitter. See, sometimes we're trying to force people to receive Christ. Force people to do this and force legislation. We're going to legislate that you got to live this way. you got to do this way. Or we're going to fight legislation that happens. Guess what? We don't need people to submit to laws. We need people to submit to God. We need people to submit to God. And if people submit to God, half the stuff we're trying to make laws about, guess what? 
We don't have to have a law. I don't have to have a law in my house that nobody in my house can smoke because nobody in my house smokes. I don't need to make a law. <laughs> the, this is what scripture says. Laws are for the lawless. <laughs> we make laws because people break laws. But if people don't break the law, we don't have nothing to break. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, I'm going to get to the point here. This is the season for the church to recognize we're created for moments like these. We are created for moments like these. We're created for moments like these that rather than being afraid or nervous is to really say, wait a minute, Lord, help me understand who I am. Help me understand why did you touch my life? Why have you, why have you shown yourself to me? Why have you put me now in a place where I understand some spiritual truth? And who can I impart the truth that I've learned to? Let me now begin to become fruitful with this that you've given me. And how do I start filling the world? Multiply what you've given me. How do I multiply it? How do I multiply my daily smile? How do I multiply my kind words to people? How do I multiply the deck that I did to somebody, the deliberate act of kindness? How do I multiply that? And God will start showing you ways to multiply it. And when he shows you, do it. Then when you multiply, then you say, Lord, now show me how to fill the world with this. Show me how to fill the whole world with this. Show me how. Unless you, I guess you don't, if, if you don't understand it, I'm trying to be fruitful with you. I'm trying to produce the word of God in you so that you become fruitful and that you multiply. Amen. And then you will fill the earth. Amen. Amen. What did Jesus do when he came? Did Jesus try to reach the whole world? Jesus reached the 12. And he empowered the 12 to be fruitful. Amen. He changed their lives. And he gave them power to change other people's lives. Called the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this by having you turn. Uh, keep this in mind. And I want you to turn to the book of uh, James. Go to James chapter 5. I'm trying to figure out which one can I do in the time I have. James chapter 5. I'll have to do the rest later. Yep, that's my alarm telling me get it done, partner. All right. Luke, no, James chapter 5, right? James chapter 5, go to verse 13. Now, remember, God gave Adam dominion. Adam lost the dominion. Christ came, and he became the second Adam. And the second Adam then gave to us a mystery. And the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. The fact that we have Christ in us, it is the hope of glory around. And he said this, he said, he said that you are the body of Christ and in Christ he fills everything everywhere. And he said you are God's masterpiece, peace, masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were made for good works. You were, in, you, you were designed to have good works in your life. So the question is, what's the best good work you can have? James says this, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So when someone is sick, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray. Call for the elders of the church and pray. Anoint with oil. Verse 15, and the prayer of faith will what? Save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. So we're counting on the Lord to do the raising, right? But I want you to notice something really simple here. The prayer of faith will save the sick. It will save. The word sozo means, the word save is the word sozo, which means to be made whole. So it's not just talking about the fact that God is physically healing people, but making people whole. My mother was ill and I was mad at the devil. And I was going, I was going to pull her out of this because we're going to pull out of this thing. And I'm going, I'm trying to, I'm going to pray and I'm going to get, I need my mom to get back here to California so I can, I can, I can, I can work, work this devil off, right? And so I'm, I'm all into it and I'm, I'm doing it. In the middle of it, we had another crisis that happened in the middle of it, I'm trying to deal with this. And so that crisis happened and people from my mom's church came to console her about this crisis that had happened. And when they're all sitting around, I sat there and I watched my mother who was in stage four cancer. I, I, I watched her as the people, all, they all got black suits and they all came on and said, I'm like, man, what is, like 12 of y'all in black suits? Oh, did all y'all have to come at one time? Man, this is like, man. So anyway, so they're, they're all sitting in a circle in the house and my mother's sitting up in the chair and she started pouring out the word. And she's just sitting up strong and just pouring out the word. And so I realized, man, I'm so focused on cancer, I'm missing the fact that she's whole. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally missing the fact that she is whole and not, a, not so whole. So how whole is she? She's so whole that 12 ministers from her church all left totally encouraged by the person they came to pray for. <laughs> And I'm worried about her body, <laughs> but her spirit is the real her. <laughs> Come on. The prayer of faith will save, make whole the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. So the least of the ministers, because she had just moved to Atlanta, so she hadn't really even connected with the church. She's the least, but she speaks and empowers the many. See, understand your role. It is your spirit that makes you strong. And the prayer of faith is faith, the substance of things you hope for and the evidence of things that are not seen. It's your faith that will make you strong when you feel like you're not. Amen. Listen to this. Verse 16. Look at this. Confess your trespasses to one another. In other words, don't be afraid to recognize, to say, I'm not perfect. And a matter of fact, you need to, when you, when you have imperfections, you need to find somebody to talk to about it. Amen. Don't hide your imperfections. Don't go in the closet and just say, I can't let nobody find out that I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really this. No, everybody knows you're that. You just didn't tell you. Amen. You should find somebody to talk to because we all saw it. <laughs> Amen. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. In other words, if somebody comes and tells you, don't go gossip, pray with them. If somebody comes to you and says, look, look, I'm really dealing with fear. I'm really dealing with this. 
then guess what? Pray with them. Pray one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. This is what God told, told, told uh, uh, jo- uh, Job. Told Job's friends. They were criticizing him. He said, you need to listen to my servant Job. He said, because the person you're talking about and you're saying something happened to him, I want you to bring him an offering. He's going to pray for you so you can be healed. <laughs> the man you are criticizing, when you say there's something wrong with him, I want you to let him pray for you so you can get well. So sometimes when people bring stuff for us, if we can operate according to this scripture, it will heal us. And this is what I want you to see. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. See, I want you to understand what prayer is. There's no prayer without boldness and access. Which is what we were told in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, in Christ, this eternal purpose, he's given you boldness and access. What is he saying? He's saying you can come talk to God and the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous will make tremendous power available. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. So right now, what we're dealing in a world that is full of fear and full of challenge and full of crisis is the time for us to draw near to God and allow him to use us as the manifold wisdom revelation that will allow us to pray for the world and be able to bring healing to the world. Because our prayers of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Amen. Verse 17, look at this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Elijah, the prophet. Again, what did God do? He said, I won't do anything unless I reveal it to who? The prophets. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Verse 18. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth, what? Woo! Your prayers are what unlocks the door to fruitfulness. Amen. Listen, I got to stop here. I, I, gotta, I can't go any further. I want to make two, three points I want to point out to you, and then we'll get back to this next week. Number one, this is the season for the church to bring heaven into earth. In the Lord's Prayer, and that's what I don't have time to get into right now, But in the Lord's Prayer, God says, heaven is his kingdom, earth is man's. Pray thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because earth is God's, but the, excuse me, heaven is God's, but the earth he stewarded to the sons of men. He's given it to us. So our prayers need to be for what is in the kingdom of heaven to be brought to earth. And whatever we bind on earth, we be, and whatever we loose, amen. It sounds like y'all know that, amen. Number two, the church has been reve- empowered to reveal the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers in heavenly places. The church is empowered for that purpose. And you may say, like I said, I, well, I, I can't really... I'm not into that. I'm, I'm least. Paul said, I'm the least. 
third thing I want you to know is Paul considered himself to be the least of the saints, but understood his responsibility to allow God to use him in powerful ways. So even if you say you're the least, recognize God is saying, I'm putting a responsibility on you. And I'm putting a responsibility so that I can also bless you. But that responsibility is to let me use you in powerful ways. Let me use you. Let me use you. Let me use you. That's God's call to us today. Let me use you. I didn't tell my wife what we were going to preach today. But all of a sudden came the song. I surrender all. I surrender all. And I guarantee if you look at the song list, it's not on the song list. I guarantee it's not. <laughs> because that was the Holy Spirit setting us up to say, we're going to surrender. We want to be ready to surrender all. And here's the powerful thing about surrender. If we can surrender to God, all he needs is a body. When God has a body that's yielded to him, he can do tremendous things. He doesn't need us to be the greatest. He doesn't need us to be the smartest. He doesn't need us to have memorized the whole Bible. He just needs a willing heart that's willing to allow God to use them, willing to let God do things in them, and he will change the world through us. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that everyone in this room would be strengthened and encouraged, Lord, to take their position as lights in the dark places. We thank you right now as each of us is overcoming uh, the things that are around us, the environment. I pray that every single person here's body be immune to virus right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would right now work through us to strengthen us with might on the inner man. If anything does touch us or come to us or begin to harm us, Lord, we thank you that from the inside, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead will make alive our mortal bodies right now in Christ Jesus. And Father, as we've prayed, we thank you that everyone, no matter how they see themselves, let them understand this day that you desire to reveal your manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers that are around them. Thank you for making us a church that is your body connected to you, always understanding that wherever we go, we take you with us. We thank you, Lord, that we are your hands, we are your feet, and wherever we are, Lord, that you are there with us, Lord God. We thank you, Father, right now in the name of Jesus for making us efficient in the ministry of the word, in the ministry of the gospel, but more than anything, make us efficient in ministry to you serving you as you've called us to. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you're empowering us to be the church in this season, a church that makes a difference in the world. So we give you praise and glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message titled The Great Manifestation from our series titled The Best Year Ever. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com, AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.